Let's pray. Father, all these things, we lift you today. We thank you for your love, how great a God you are. And we know you're answering prayers. You will continue. You're just great, God. And it's not because of us, because of your grace and mercy, because you first loved us, dear God. We didn't seek after you. You came and revealed yourself to us. And so you started something wonderful, oh God. When you sent Jesus into the world, and dear Lord, knowing that he would go to Calvary to die for the sins of all of mankind, we thank you today. We celebrate, Lord, every day this season. But dear God, especially in the next two weeks, I pray a special impartation of the reality of the resurrection in every person's heart in this place, the reality of what Jesus has done for us personally. And dear Lord, today we know if we were the only sinners that dear Jesus would have still went to Calvary to die for our sins, the only ones. And he went for each one of us personally, intimately. And dear God, we praise his holy name. We pray for these that need healing today, each and every one that have been mentioned. We pray for deliverance, dear Lord, today. They experience that deliverance because in Christ we are delivered. But dear Lord, they, that manifestation of the deliverance in their hearts would become real. And people would walk not in the flesh, but would walk in the spirit. And we pray today, dear Lord, you would increase the ministry here at Lighthouse Fellowship as you are with the food pantry. And all the other ministries here, dear Lord, we ask you that you would, Lord, pour your spirit out. We ask you, Father, to release the Holy Spirit of God in this place in a mighty way, like a mighty rushing wind, O oh God. And pray today that your word and your truth would go forth, that it would change us. Because we need to be more like Jesus. And that's our longing, our desire. One thing we ask, one thing that we seek is truly to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord all the days of our life and to seek him in his temple. We pray that one thing in our hearts. And so, dear God, direct our paths that we truly, all the other things, Lord, certainly will take place, but help us to have that one thing. That one thing is to seek you with all of our hearts. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. Because of Calvary, because of Calvary, Oh, we can talk about this a while because of Calvary. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. 1 Peter chapter 4. The name Norma McCorvey may not mean a lot, but actually you've heard of Jane Roe and the Roe versus Wade there when uh, we know abortion was legalized there. And several years ago, she was working in an abortion clinic in Dallas, Texas. There has been some time ago. The headquarters of Operation Rescue. And the head of this clinic was Phil Benham. And he began talking to McCorvey. But in spite of their differences, he took an interest in her. And he listened to her. And he showed her love and compassion. And as a result, they became uh, unlikely friends. And after some time, Norma began visiting the offices of Operation Rescue, even volunteering to do a few odd jobs. And the people at Operation Rescue showed her courtesy, warmth, and friendship. And then seven-year-old Emily, daughter of the office manager, invited McCorvey to church. And McCorvey accepted the invitation that she, that very night she accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. And McCorvey was delivered from homosexuality, and she began to volunteer regularly at Operation Rescue there. She also became pro-life and is now an outspoken opponent of abortion. Now, what could cause such a drastic turnaround and difference in someone like Norma McCorvey. Only the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ can do something so powerful. Only the saving power. And because of Calvary, 
that Norma and others who have received Christ in their life, their lives have been changed. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about here and how we are to follow Christ and give our lives to Him. And so we'll read here in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, equip yourselves also with the same resolve, because the one who suffered in the flesh has finished with sin. In order to live the remaining time in the flesh and no longer for human desires, but for God's will. For there's already been enough time spent in doing what the pagans choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. So they are surprised that you don't plunge with them into the same flood of wild living, and they slander you. They don't like it. They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged by men in the fleshly realm, they might live by God in the spiritual realm. The only thing can change us is Jesus. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. There's power. There's power there. And has your life changed since you met Jesus Christ? One man's response was, he said, My life has changed in many ways since Jesus saved me, including breaking a 30-year drug habit overnight. The habit ended after, not before salvation. The filth that filled my head and spilled out of my mouth via speech no longer exists either. I was prideful, angry, and arrogant and would lose my temper over anything. And that also has turned around 180 degrees. And I've read many responses, and not one person there, as you look at different people giving their testimony, nobody has ever said, no, my life has not changed since I met Jesus. But there's a story after story of individuals who have accepted Christ and have experienced a major difference in their life. And each person that we know is here today could say the same thing. If you've been saved... By the grace and power of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can say that your life has never been the same. Years ago, the gospel group, the cathedrals, had a song that told the story of a man who met Jesus and everything changed for him. It goes like this. Thanks to Calvary, I'm not the man that I used to be. Thanks to Calvary, things are different than before. While the tears ran down my face, I tried to tell them, thanks to Calvary, I don't come here anymore. I want to tell you, I met Jesus as a young boy, <clears throat> accepted Jesus and was baptized straight away, but came back to him later in life. My life has never been the same. I wouldn't have it any other way. A lot of times, you know, the pull of the grip flesh will tell you, you know, well, you know, go back to that and this. But each time when you do, you realize it's bitter, that it doesn't bring life. Actually, it brings <laughs> death, spiritual death. And so my life has changed. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you've been saved, you're a new person. You were lost, but now you've been found. You have gone from death unto life. You were condemned now. You've been set free. And this is possible because of the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. So I want to look at these scriptures today, several points. And first of all is, because of Calvary, we have a different calling there as we look at verse 1. 
We know we're called. We should arm ourselves with the mind of Christ. We are to continually focus upon the Lord. I know I woke up with Jesus on my mind this morning. And I know Kathy testifying here, she had Jesus on her mind, even in the watches of the night. And the Bible talks about it in the book, the book of Psalms. In the watches of the night, as I meditate upon him, I talk to him. And sometimes God gets us up, and you know, we don't realize it, and sometimes we can't go to sleep. And it may be that God is calling you and I to really just sit quietly before him and maybe to pray as the Lord leads us. Sometimes, you know, you just think, oh, I'm so tired and you go out there. And I want to tell you today, if God's called you to pray in the middle of the night, he'll give you the strength to be able to do that. And you will feel refreshed in the morning. God will provide that, certainly. But because of Calvary, we have a different calling here. We're to focus upon here. We should be willing to suffer for him if that's God's will, because this Christian life is a constant battle. Peter uses the terminology here, refers to that battle. Arm yourselves, he says in one translation here. Before we'll reach a place of willingness to suffer for Christ, we've got to put him in his proper place. He has to be number one in your life and my life. Not just his Savior, but he has to be Lord of our lives. Because if not, then we know that old fleshly nature will come in and usurp the place that Jesus wants. The rightful place that Jesus, our Savior, desires to have. And certainly it is the, certainly his prerogative and we should give him that first place in our life. There was a time in Peter's life when he professed that he would be willing to suffer to Christ and we know what ha- for Christ and we know what happened. He denied Christ three times there and even at this time of the Easter season and so forth. Remember that he denied the Lord, that little teenage girl there, and he denied and then he finally cursed. But remember what happened after he was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Remember what happened when he began, he was transformed because he gave his heart to the Lord. And eventually we know that he died. And in John chapter 21, he died for Christ. In John chapter 21, Jesus said, you know, you're going to die for me. You're going to give your life for him. Are you willing to die for Christ today? We don't know what will happen in this country today with all the persecution that's taking place. We don't know whether or not we will have to suffer for Christ. More than likely, we will. There's persecution more than what we see and realize because a lot of times our mindset is that's happening in another corner of the world. It won't happen here in the United States of America. Let me tell you today, it's coming this way. There are going to be more of these things because you and I are, being, are going to be confronted with the fact of whether or not we will stand up stand up for Jesus or whether or not we will succumb and say, no, I want to take the easy road. And God is saying today that you and I have to put Jesus Christ first in our lives. And when he's first in our life, we know that we will suffer for him. And we know today that our testimonies, a lot of people don't want to hear. In fact, they will come against us many times because our lives have changed. We're not like we used to be. No, maybe old friends in our lives. And this is what it's talking about here. Old friends today, they go, what's wrong with you? Have you lost your mind? You've got this religious thing. And yet you're just in love with Jesus. And there'll be times in our lives that we may have to obviously stand up, stand up. And stand strong here, because if you're saved, then you have been called to follow Jesus Christ. Your life is not the same as it was before Christ. Your plans, purposes, priorities should be different. Are you faithfully following Jesus each day? Are you willing to continue to follow him, even if it brings us suffering and pain? Remember this, the worst thing that can happen to you is death. And if you and I, we die in Christ, then we know where we're going. And obviously, it's a glorious place. And so they can't hurt us. 
We know that, and it has to be sifted through the hand of Almighty God, even if they do today. We know that, obviously, I believe in a, a particular term, and actually the reality, what's called dying grace. I believe that happens when a person begins, is maybe they're terminal, and, and they, they begin to go through that terminal process, that God gives what's called dying grace to us. And if we have to suffer for Christ, and if he calls us home, we will be given what's called dying grace. We will be able to stand up under it, but you and I have to make Jesus Christ first in our lives. The Bohemian reformer, John Huss, was a man who believed the scriptures to be the infallible and inerrant word of God, supreme authority in all matters. And he died at the stake for, the, for that belief in Constance, Germany, on his 42nd birthday. As he refused a final plea to renounce his faith, Huss's last words were, What I taught with my lips, I seal with my blood. And just after he uttered those words, he received his great reward. If it ever comes to the point of martyrdom for us, we can die with the hope of our eternal reward. We will be in the presence of the Lord. When we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. And so we also see here that as Christians, we're called to forsake sin. That no longer should we live the rest of our time in the flesh to the lust of men, but what? For the will of God here. We've been changed by Jesus. We've been cleansed in his blood. And we're not to continue in the sin that we've been delivered from here. We are to pursue the holy will of God. And this is not possible here. If I follow after the desires of the flesh here, Jesus not only has to be Savior, but he has to be Lord. And when Jesus is Lord of our lives, we are controlled by his spirit. And we cannot forsake sin on our own, but it's possible by the power of his spirit. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives within me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. I can't live the life, but it's the life of Christ in me. I've been crucified with Christ. Do you realize that when you accepted Jesus in your life? That you died with him? He died, yes, and he arose on the third day. And we know that obviously we died with him. We have his life within us. We're dead to the sin. And thanks to Jesus, work at Calvary. You have the opportunity for a different life. Don't waste your time pursuing the lust of the flesh and the pleasures of this world. In 1 John chapter 2, love not the world, rather neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of this world. Our life before Christ was empty and meaningless. Now we are saved. We have a purpose. We have been called to be a part of something special, and this is possible through Calvary. There's something great happening here, amen? And we have a chance to be a part of it. People's lives are being changed. People are coming in the fullness of the ministry of what God has called us to be. People are seeing they have a purpose in life, that God has a plan, and it's exciting, isn't it? Isn't it exciting in this place? It's exciting that God's doing great things in this place and in the body of Christ all over what's happening today. You remember some time ago, there was a man that shot. <clears throat> it was actually being uh, taken into court in Atlanta, I believe it was. And remember, he somehow got the guns away from, from the guards or whatever and shot and killed a couple guards. And actually, he escaped out in, into the uh, area outside of Atlanta there. And remember what happened? He sat in wait, and this lady came in, a single lady came in late one night, and, and he happened to see him. 
And she, he walked up on her when she was opening her door to her apartment and, and barged on in. And of course, this lady was, uh, was frightened because of this, a true story, and uh, if you listen to it. And um, she, he was sitting there, and, and she began to talk to him. And just recently, she had began to attend church in a nearby community. And they were, uh, they were talking uh, in that church and teaching on the purpose-driven life by Rick Warren. And she was reading a book. Y'all may remember the story. And what happened was is she began to tell this man who had just killed a couple people about that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And you could see over that time, the lady said, and she was just a babe in Christ. She had just accepted Christ. And she said, you could see this man's heart began to melt. And what eventually happened, to make a long story short, was he gave himself up. He did not hurt her. He did not harm her. But wanted to know more about what, how her life was different, how God had obviously changed her life, and obviously she, he was taken into custody and went back to prison. The other night, you remember in War Room that the two ladies encountered a man there in, in the basement getting ready to get in their car? And he came up with a knife. And he said, give me your money. Give your money. Remember what the lady, the lady said there? said, in the name of Jesus. And he looked at them. And I assume he just wandered on off there. In the name of Jesus. In the name of this power. In the name of Jesus. God is saying today, your life's not the same. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. But because of Calvary, we possess a different character. We used to live after the, the lust of the flesh and all these excesses that we see here in the Word of God. Our lives were a life of sin. We know that we obviously see actions in lost people today, immorality, lust, drunkenness, wild parties, and idol worship here, even though... We say, well, we don't see necessarily wooden idols around, but they're things that have come in and taken the place of God Almighty today. And all the sins mentioned are results of following the lust of the flesh. Christians are to separate themselves from this lifestyle. We're told in Galatians chapter 5 to walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We know the story of Nicky Cruz. He grew up on the streets of New York. He was a leader of a gang called Malmoss. His life was filled with violence. He trusted in his own strength to solve his problems. But when a persistent preacher proclaimed the gospel message in his presence, the heart of this street warrior began to melt. He accepted Christ as his Savior, and his life has never been the same, and now he speaks publicly to other youth there in New York City and thereabouts. People's lives are being changed by the power of the cross, the power of Jesus, because only Jesus has, has the power to change lives. I've seen in ministry alcoholics walk away from the bottle. I've seen addicts turn from their addiction. I've seen homosexuals delivered from their lifestyle. I've seen angry, hateful old men become loving teddy bears. I've seen unfaithful husbands become devoted to their wives. I've seen neglected full fathers become wonderful dads. There's no limit to what Jesus can do in your life, in my life. And when he saves you, we possess a new character. We're different. We're not the same. But because of Calvary, we run with a different crowd. 
you know, a lot of times the people we run with, they're not just necessarily bad people. They're not people that we know uh, obviously would do some of the worst things we know of. But they're people that are not saved. And we know, obviously, we run with a different crowd. You know, and when your conversation has changed and your interests have changed, they, they may be confused about this. They may say, what's happened to you? What, uh, what's wrong with you? Again, you, you've gotten on this religious kick. That's what they all say, you know. You've got too much religion in you. No, you won't got a relationship with Jesus Christ. The contention of the old crowd, they'll speak evil of you. They'll mock you here. And we know that obviously that in 1st, 2nd Corinthians chapter 2, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But sometimes this fragrance is perceived differently and seen differently for those that are being saved. We know that's a real blessing. For those that are lost, we know they will come against you and they'll become contentious about you, you and me. They will mock us. They'll say, you know, you're not right. Why? It's because they don't understand. You and I have a different world point of view also. We've been given discernment. That's why when we see the signs of the times and people today are saying these things and you and I are saying we're headed towards Jesus coming back again. Amen? We're coming back to that time today. It's because we have a different worldview. They don't see things the way you see it. They don't have the values that you and I have. They don't have the standards that you and I have. They don't have the beliefs that you and I have. And we know it's because we're different. It's because we don't run with the old crowd today. We're walking with Jesus. Years ago, the communist government in China commissioned an author to write a biography of Hudson Taylor with the purpose of distorting the facts and presenting him in a bad light. They wanted to discredit the nature of this consecrated missionary of the gospel. And as the author was doing his research... He was increasingly impressed by Taylor's saintly character and godly life, and he found it extremely difficult to carry out his assigned task with a clear conscience. Eventually, at the risk of losing his life, he laid aside his pen, renounced his atheism, and received Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. Your life and my life, we are being watched more than what we realize. People see our lives. And you don't even realize it, and I don't even realize it. And so I have to be careful. I want to walk in in a godly manner because people are looking at you and I. They're looking for you and I just to stumble, just to kind of mess up to say, there you go, you say you're a Christian. You say you're this and that. Look at how you're acting. Look at what you just said. Look at how you lost your temper. All these things we know they're looking today. But let me tell you today, when that fragrance finally penetrates their hearts, the fragrance of Jesus... They'll bow their hearts and they'll bow their knees and they'll receive Jesus Christ in their lives. There are people today that need hope. There are people today that are walking in darkness and they have no hope. They have no purpose. They have no plans. They lose their jobs and they feel like this is the end of the world. And God is just trying maybe to get their attention to say, hey, I've got something for you if you'll pay attention. And your life and my life may be the only witness that they see. We're living in a time of evangelism, and I mentioned the first of the year. I believe this is the year of evangelism. I believe God spoke to me there at the beginning. And this is the time people are going to receive Jesus Christ in their lives. And it's kind of like this. Get ready, because these things are happening today. That old crowd today, they may not like it, but you stand firm on your faith. Love them into the kingdom of God. Love them today, even if you don't like their actions, even if you don't like their smell, even today if you don't like their looks. It doesn't make any difference. 
is love them into the kingdom. You and I have the truth, and people are wanting and desiring the truth of God today, whether or not you realize it or not. But because of Calvary, we're also on a different course. We're walking a different path here. We're headed to heaven. Matthew chapter 7 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, but the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Those who are saved are on a path that leads to eternal life. And this is only possible because of Jesus Christ, because of Calvary, what happened at Calvary. You know, some deacons were questioning a young boy who wanted to join the church about his salvation. How'd you get saved, he said. Well, I done my part and God done his part. When asked about what he meant, he said, my part was the sinning and God's part was the saving. (laughs) That's what's happening. We did our part, the sinning. God did his part. He did the saving. It's true for us. And thanks for the finished work. We can come boldly and proclaim it. Now, as a result of this, quickly. As we follow the Lord, what are we to do? Relationship, relationship, relationship. But in that relationship, remember Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. The seraph took the coal, symbolic of the blood, and cleansed him. And when he was cleansed and he realized he was saved, what did he say? Here am I, send me. In Mark chapter 13. Now concerning that day... Our hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, except the Father. Watch, be alert, for you don't know when the time is coming. It's like a man on a journey who left his house, gave authority to his slaves, gave each one his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to be alert. Therefore, be alert, since you don't know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight, or at the crowing of the rooster, or early in the morning. Otherwise, he might come suddenly and find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, be alert. How many of you here today know Jesus could come back at any time? He could come back at any time. Could take the church out? God is looking for a bride, Jesus is, without spot or blemish. And we need to be ready. We need to be serving him. Because we know the signs of the times are very clear. The false messiahs, the wars and rumors of wars, the worldwide turmoil, earthquakes we see, famines, pestilences, and many other troubles here. We see this. Is that when Jesus comes back, He will come back in power and majesty. In Mark 13, it says, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Hallelujah. Zechariah chapter 14, and it shall come to pass in that day 
that light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. The time of Jesus' return will be neither daytime or nighttime. Without the sun, the moon, or the stars, there'll be no way to discern the time of day. And in this total darkness, the Lord Jesus will appear riding the glory clouds. He'll appear in the heavens and the whole earth will see him. Revelation chapter 1. Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. In utter darkness, following all the death and destruction of the tribulation, the Savior will circle the globe in power and great glory. And everyone will see him. Every inhabitant on earth will see the glory. And when Jesus comes, the saved are going to be with him. And when he rides out, we'll ride out with him. Now, that's good news. Amen. You can shout hallelujah to that. That's the time we can say thank you, Lord. They'll be, he'll come in great strength and great power here. And the mountains will split in two when he comes down there in Zechariah chapter 14. He'll bring salvation there. There'll be people that will be saved during the great tribulation during that time because the king is coming. And why is this important? It's because we know for the lost man, it is a warning that you've got to get saved. But we know for the saved man, it's a warning that we've got to be serving. Serving the Lord with all of our hearts. We've got to get out, keep our hands on the plow, and keep one eye up in the sky at the same time. Because Jesus could come back. And he could come back at any time. We have a master. His name is Jesus. And you and I were called by the master to give our hearts and lives over to him. We are to work until he comes back. We are to be alert until he comes back today. We know sometimes people say, I can't do that. And I can't do this. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. Let me give you a couple examples here real quickly. Some biblical people, biblical proof. Those of you who still think that God can't use you, Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. And the Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too short. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. Are y'all dead? Well, you can be used of the Lord. God used Lazarus. Amen. Several, when we first went into ministry, Cindy and I and felt called in midlife. Y'all remember the story. We both came and we had not talked about this, but we both felt like the Lord was calling us to Australia. And I went, Australia? I'm like, Lord, now I know I signed up here, but Australia? And God began to work in my heart and Cindy's heart. And we finally shared it with one another. Cindy said, I, I believe God's calling us to Australia. And I went, whoa, because I hadn't talked to her. And she talked to me, and I said, oh, God said the same thing to me. 
And when we finally came to that place of surrendering to say, Lord, if you're calling us to Australia, I knew in my heart of hearts that we were going, both of us at about the same time, at that point of total surrender to say, I'll do whatever and I'll go wherever. That's when the burden was lifted and there was a different direction in ministry. God will test your heart to determine are you willing to, to serve him no matter where he calls, where he leads you and me, whatever it may be. But we've got to be alert. We live in a time today, I believe again, evangelism, to share Jesus Christ, our personal testimony. Sid shared his personal testimony with the doctor. The doctor listened. Now, was it Sid's responsibility to save him? We can't save anybody. Our responsibility is to be faithful. Our responsibility is to tell what Jesus has done in our lives. But we've got to be ready and alert. Y'all remember last year, Cindy and her friend Kathy, they, uh, <laughs> they went away for a while and had a wonderful time over on Eastern Shore and with the uh, Shingatig horses and place, just getting away. They've been friends for years and years and years. You remember that? And you remember I was here and they said, where's Cindy? I said, she's on a trip with her friend Kathy. And uh, we began talking. Of course, the week went on by and here, it was just about time for Cindy to come back home. Well, what had happened in the meantime, the house was a wreck. A wreck. Did y'all hear me? It was a wreck. And there on Friday night, I began to scramble and clean up. I vacuumed. I picked up my clothes. I began to clean off the shelves and all this stuff when the house came in there. And when she came in, I know she looked around like, boy, I tell you, you must have really responded pretty quickly here. You knew I was coming back in town. Everything got straightened up real fast. I'm saying this today. Don't wait because Jesus could come back. Don't wait till next Friday to be alert and watchful because he could come back right now. We are to be alert. And in this scripture, it continues to say, be watchful, be alert here because obviously we can't successfully serve the Lord if we're not ready, if we're not alert. Martin Luther said, we should live as if Christ died yesterday, rose this morning, is coming back tomorrow. That's the way we should live here. We've got to watch. We've got to be ready. We've got to give our time. We've got to give our talents. We've got to give our resources today. Some people say, well, 10% is a tithe, and I believe that. But let me tell you, when you give beyond that tithe, there's a blessing with the Lord. We do it because why? It all belongs to God anyway. He's the one. Has God ever let you down? He has never let me down. He's been faithful to me. When I'm faithful and I do what I believe in my heart, I'm convicted to do, I want to tell you, God has blessed me. God continues. And even if he took it all away, God would still bless me. It may be in a different way than what we perceive today. That's who our God is. Our God is an awesome God. And he blesses that way, doesn't he? For many, a lot of times, we don't spend that time with the Lord. We obviously can do different things, whatever God calls us to do, but we need to be ready. And we need to be alert. Jesus is coming back soon. We've got to obviously work as if he's coming back any moment now. We've got to be ready. Jesus is coming home, coming back soon. While touring Europe, a tourist visited a lovely estate in Italy. 
And he admired the beautiful garden encountering, and he encountered the gardener. He said, you've done a beautiful job here. How long have you worked here? And the gardener said, 25 years. How often has the owner been to this estate? Four times. When was he here last? 12 years ago. Well, you keep the garden so lovely, one would assume you were expecting the owner tomorrow. The gardener said, today, sir, today, sir. We need to be ready today. Are you ready? Because of Calvary. Because of Calvary. He's made all this possible. We don't work to get saved. We work because we are saved. It's by grace through faith in Jesus that we're saved. And if there be anyone here today who's never accepted Christ into their lives, today may be the day that you said, I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins and come in my life and save me. Maybe today is the day. You maybe have never made that profession and just said, I want to be in heaven. I know there is a heaven. I've heard it talked about a lot. I've been to church a lot, but I've never surrendered my heart to Jesus Christ. Today may be that day. Maybe the day that you just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I I don't know what it means. And certainly I don't understand this. I I don't really know the Bible that well. And I don't know this and that. Obviously, Jesus saves you. The word of God points us to Jesus. And it is the word of God. The Bible doesn't save you. Church doesn't save you. Good works doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Jesus. And him alone. It may be today that you're saying, I feel to a ministry in this church. It may be today that you're saying that I feel like God's got something here at Lighthouse Fellowship that he would like for me to do. Today may be you just say, Lord, I'll do whatever. I'll do it. It's here or outside of these four walls, whatever it may be, that you give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you tell me to do. He may not call you to Australia, okay? <laughs> but if he did, he'd give you the grace to be able to do it. It may be that you're not a member here and you'd like to be a member of this church. Today may be the day you just say, or you can talk to me and the other guys, any of us, We can make that to commit to this church and say, I'd like to be a part of this. That's uh, something we welcome. Today may be the day that you just want to say, I need prayer. I just need for you to pray for me about this. It may be that, that some things are not going right, and I really want God's help for this. And because you're here today, you're part of the body of Christ, and you're part of Lighthouse Fellowship, and we are so glad you're here. But it may be that you're just saying, I, I really want some intercession. I need prayer covering about this situation or maybe my family. Like we've prayed, I've got a bulletin full of, of names there. You can always ask us. You can come forward after the service. I'll wait here, pray with you. Whatever it may be, maybe you'd just like to say, Lord, I want to thank you for what you're doing in my life. Today may be the day for that. We're to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. God is raising up people who are in love with him, 
who will do nothing, the one thing we ask, the one thing we seek, the one primary purpose in our life, and that is in our relationship with Jesus Christ. God's looking for people to give their hearts to Jesus if the day is the day. And you say, I just want to give my heart to Jesus. Spirit of the Lord's here right now. I want to give my heart to Christ. I want him to take all of my life. I don't want to just go to church and say, well, I attended church and then we leave. But I want to serve him all the days of my life. I want to be alert. I want to watch. Because I believe he's coming back soon. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, your truth. And thank you for your presence in this place. We pray today, dear God, every person in this place, if there be anyone who doesn't know you, maybe the day that you knocked on their heart's door and said, I want to come in, just open the door. That's a willing, and that's an option. That's a, that's a decision we make. That's a choice we make. The day is the day of salvation. There may be somebody that really wants to just be filled with the Spirit of God, to be completely encompassed in your presence today. Holy Spirit, we ask you, you know those that have opened their hearts. Today is the day. The day. Maybe healing. Maybe deliverance. Maybe whatever it is, oh God. We know Jesus is the answer. Because there's no other one. Why is this? Because of Calvary. What happened at Calvary. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. We pray today, Father, for each one here. Pray your blessing. Pray you strengthen them. Pray you'd empower them. And dear Lord, just as we know that uh, Kathy gave Jacob and Leah a lighthouse, <clears throat> that we're a lighthouse because we have the life of Christ within us. Because there are people's lives that are being destroyed every day. Because they're walking a path that has led to destruction. Help us, Lord, as a church. Raise us up to help people, to reach out to people, to love people, to pray for people, and to be a part of the lives as we know today what a great, wonderful thing you're doing in the earth today. And we're just blessed to be a part of it. We love you and we praise you. And it's in the precious and holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen.